Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. Thanks for tuning into this podcast, and I hope you enjoy the Torah classes in it. Now, on to the episode. Today's Daf Meseches Kedushin is Daf Nun Vav, 56. As was Hashem, we're starting at the Bryce at the bottom of Nun Hamud Beis. We're going to have three sections in today's Daf. The first section we're going to deal with is clarification of the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda within the context of certain Tanakh teachings where he says regarding Maeser Sheni, if you're Mekadosh a woman b'meizid, the Kedushin is effective because it's considered Nishalil, uh, it's considered desecrated. So within that context we'll discuss his opinion. Moving to Nunvav Madbeiz, we're going to go to the second section which is a new mission that discusses nine different items that are Isuri Hana, that the Kedushin is not effective. And then the third section will be the third of those items, which is Shor Niskal, and will show the sources that that's considered Asr in Hana, even before the Skila took place. As Hashem, let's get started at the bottom of Nun Hei Amud Beis. Now, let's just remember before we get started, there was Machlekes in our Mishnah regarding Maeser Sheni. Okay, so regarding Maeser Sheni, we said, according to a mayor, Maeser Sheni is Momon Gavaya. It's Hashem's money, and you can't use it for Kedushin. Bein B'Shagig, Bein B'Mezah, the Kedushin is not effective. According to Rabbi Yehuda, though, it was considered Momon Hedjet. And since it's considered ordinary people's money, if he intentionally utilized Maeser Sheni for uh, Kedushin purposes, the Kedushin is considered binding. Now, B'Shagig, we said it wasn't, which we had different ways of explaining that prior, either because she's not agreeable, they're both not agreeable, either way, it's a toast. But the point is, if it's B'Mezid, Buddha said the Kedushin would be considered binding because it's moment hedged, it's for you to utilize. Now says the Gemara Tan Rabbana, and second to last line on Hamud Beis, the Brisa teaches us in Loichim, Behema Bemois, Maeser Sheni. The halacha is regarding Maeser Sheni, it's meant to be brought up to Yerushalayim and consumed there. Now, what they used to do was, because if you had a lot of produce at Maeser Sheni, they would transfer it onto monies. Now, to take those monies, you're supposed to take them to Yerushalayim, buy food in Yerushalayim, and then eat it in Yerushalayim. But the halach is you're not meant to purchase animals, kosher animals, with those monies, as Rashi learns, outside of Yerushalayim. And he says there's two reasons, because A, the Pasuk says, V'tzarta kesef biyadecha, that really the money should be bound up in your hand, brought up to Yerushalayim, excluding you shouldn't buy animals outside, even to take them up to Yerushalayim. And B, because if you buy the animals outside of Yerushalayim, bring them up, they could get ruined through the efforts of travel up to Yerushalayim. So ideally, go up to Yerushalayim, buy the animals there, and then we'll see, you can use, utilize them for carbon shlomans, etc., and eat them in Yerushalayim. But the point is, don't buy it outside L'Chatechila. Turn to Nevav Muralif, continues the Brisa. V'im lakach. Now, if the fellow went ahead and he did purchase animals outside of Yerushalayim, with Moaz Maeser Sheni, if it was accidental, means he didn't realize that these were Maeser Sheni monies, so that's considered a Mekachtos. The entire transaction was built on a faulty assumption, and therefore the money goes back to the buyer, and the item goes back to the seller, meaning the entire sale is undone. However, because, and, and, and the reason is because it would be seller, if he would have known that he was getting Maeser Shini monies and he has to bring it up to Yerushalayim, he wouldn't have want to, wanted to sell. So therefore the whole sale is going to be undone. But B'mezid, if the sale went through B'mezid, meaning that they knew that the monies that were being utilized were Maeser Shini monies, so says the Tanakama, Ta'ale is that the sale is considered effective. The buyer 
who purchased these animals will take those animals. So if knowingly they transacted the Maishasheni monies for the animal, so even though Lechatrili shouldn't do it, it's considered a full transaction in the sense that the animal now is considered Maishasheni. The purchaser will take that animal up to Yerushalayim and consume it in Yerushalayim. That's the opinion of the Tanakam and the Brisa. Amr Yehuda. Now let's focus on this because this is the position of Rabbi Yehuda. When do we say the transaction is effective and the Maishasheni monies are mischala, they're desecrated, and the money, the Kedusha goes on to the animal? That's only if the intention was such. And the purchaser bought with the Maishasheni monies the intent to buy animals outside, but to bring to Yerushalayim and then use as a carbon shlamim. That's usually what they were used for. They would use the Meister Shani monies to purchase animals for carbon shlams. They used to purchase them in Yerushalayim. But outside of Yerushalayim, it would be considered effective, and the monies would lose their Meister Shani status, and it would go on to the animal if it was purchased the maize and knowing that it was Meister Shani monies, where the intent was for carbon shlamim purposes, means to eventually eat that animal in Yerushalayim. But if the intent was to just remove it meaning he wanted to just purchase an animal intentionally utilizing these monies of Meister Sheni, but just to be used as chulin, to be eaten outside of Yerushalayim, says Rabbi Yehuda, whether it was unknowing, means they didn't realize that the monies were Meister Sheni, or they did realize they were Meister Sheni, either way, if the intent was to purchase an animal just for chulin, but not to be consumed in Yerushalayim, the monies have to go back to their place, meaning the seller has to return the monies, and the Kedusha is not considered transferred from the money onto the animal. That's the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda in the Brisa. Now the problem is, based on the Mishnah, this position seems difficult. And we're going to learn later exactly why he says this. It's actually a penalty against the seller because he assisted in doing an Avera of uh, selling an animal for Meiser Shani monies when the animal would be utilized outside of Yerushalayim altogether. But we learned in the Mishnah and Bezim Amud Beis, as we started off today discussing, Rabbi Yudah, I remember Bemezid, Kiddush, Rabbi Yudah said, Bemezid, meaning if intentionally it was Mekadish, a woman using Meister Shani monies, the condition is effective because it's Momon Hedjite. So asks the Gemara, why is it that there's a penalty leveled against the seller in the scenario where he sells the animal to the buyer? and accept Meister Shani monies that the sale is undone, why don't we say the same thing? Just as regarding Kedushin, the money is desecrated and the Kedushin is considered binding and there's no knas, she doesn't have to give the money back, so it should be the same thing in terms of selling the animal. And yet we're saying here in the Mish, in the Brisa, that the uh, sale is undone. What's the distinction? So Am Rebbe answers like this. Really what happens is, when he gives her Meister Shani monies, the money's not desecrated, it's still Meister Shani. She knows that the monies of Meiser Shani are not desecrated through her, meaning she realizes that they retain the status of Meiser Shani. So she'll bring them up and consume them in Yerushalayim. And since she knows that, we're not going to have to level some sort of a penalty against the husband. In that case, we could say the Kedushin goes through and she'll take care of it as she's supposed to. But says Rashi, regarding this seller, he's doing something 
something intentionally wrong because he knows that these mice are going to be mischalo on this animal. I mean, that is the halacha. If you intend to desecrate it, it is desecrated. So the monies will become desecrated and the, mon- the kedusha will transfer onto the animal. And this is chulam, which is an avera. So he's being He's setting a stumbling block in front of the buyer by selling him this animal that will transfer the kedusha onto the chulam animal that he's not going to take up to Yerushalayim. Therefore, the Chachamim leveled a penalty against him so as to say that the transaction has to be revert, reversed. Maskifler of Yirmi and Reb Yirmiya challenges Reb Lezer's answer because he says, wait a second. We know for certain that if a person purchases with Maeser Sheni monies, non-kosher animals, slaves, or properties, everybody knows certainly Maeser Sheni monies can't be desecrated on them because those are items that can't be eaten in Yerushalayim. So certainly the transaction wouldn't go through in the sense that those would attain Maeser Sheni status. If it's none, but yet we know that the halacha is, the mission teaches us in Maeser Sheni, you shouldn't purchase these items even in Yerushalayim with Mois Maeser Sheni. Because again, you can't eat those in Yerushalayim. So even to purchase those items in Yerushalayim is problematic. But if he did purchase them, what does the Mishnah Maeser Sheni say? The halacha is the purchaser now has to eat corresponding to the monies that the seller has in his hands. Now what does that mean? It means that the purchaser will say, the monies that the seller is holding on to, that I gave him, which were Maeser Sheni, I'm transferring the Kedusha of that onto other food items that I have that are kosher food items to be consumed in Yerushalayim. And then he'll take, or, or onto monies, Rashi learns monies. He'll transfer the monies that the seller is holding on to, which retains the status of Kedushas Maeser Sheni, onto monies that he has, and then he'll take those monies up to Yerushalayim and consume them there. So what do you see? Says the Gemara. Even though it's understood, because people know that the those items can't assume Maeser Sheni status because they're not consumable in Yerushalayim, and despite that it's understood, like you, you, like you said before, still we don't say that it's understood the seller would use those monies in Yerushalayim, and instead, actually, what ends up happening is the purchaser has to transfer the Kedusha from the seller's money onto other monies that he had and eat those in Yerushalayim. But according to what you're saying, where it's understood that the transaction can't go through, like in the case of Kedushin, the woman would bring those monies up to Yerushalayim and there's no penalty. So then why is it over here we don't say the same thing, that it's just understood, the seller will take those monies up to Yerushalayim. Why is there a rectification necessary for the buyer in this case to transfer onto other monies that he has the Maeser monies he had given to the seller? So therefore... Nabi challenges the premise of Rabbi Lazar and he gives a different pshat. You have to say, the pshat in the Mishnah, in our Mishnah, the reason the Kedushin goes through and it's considered effective is because we're specifically talking about an Isha Chavera. We're talking about a woman who is knowledgeable, the wife of a Talmud Chacham, etc. So she knows that the monies of Maeser Sheni, says says are not going to be desecrated, and she will make sure to eat them in Yerushalayim. However, this mission we just quoted in Maeser Sheni, maybe he doesn't know that halacha. He thinks perhaps monies of Maeser Sheni are desecrated, can be transferred onto Behemoth Meya. So he would make a mistake, and therefore there's a necessity for the buyer to rectify the situation by making sure that he transfers the Kedusha of the monies that are in the hands of the uh, seller 
onto other monies that he has, and then he has to bring those up to Yerushalayim. So it's our Mishnah, again, the Mishnah then Kiddushin, the one we said over here in Unbez Mudbez, she knows the halacha and she'll make sure to take care of it. So those are the two ways we explain Rabbi Yehuda's position. Now the Gemara just wants to analyze for a second. There's a distinction between the rectification required in the Brisa above, where we say the entire sale is undone, which is really a penalty against the seller, and this case in Meiser Sheni that we just said, Yoichal Kenegdan. Amar Mar, we just quoted the mission of Meiser Sheni, it said, Imlakach Yoichal Kenegdan. If the purchaser purchased using Meiser Sheni monies, he purchased Behemoth Meya Vechulei, so he has to say that other monies that I have will assume the status of the Meiser Sheni that's in the hands of the seller. Asks the Gemara, Why don't we say that the monies should be reverted, say a penalty like we said in the Bryce that we started off with today, when you purchase outside of Yerushalayim to be Maitzilachulin and the entire sale is undone where there's a penalty against the seller. Why is it over here we're saying specifically that the buyer has to absorb the challenge, which is to say that he has to take other monies? Maybe the entire case should be undone, the entire sale should be undone. He should have to give back the animal and should have to receive back his money and put the penalty on the seller, not the buyer. So Amar Shmuel, Shmuel answers, the reason is because this... Mishnah in Meister Sheni is specifically talking Kishabarach, where the seller ran away. Turn to Nidvav Mud Beis. Where the seller ran away, so you can't say undo the transaction. Since you can't say undo the transaction, the buyer has to rectify the situation by separating other monies and saying the Kedusha of Meister Sheni that's being held onto by the seller, wherever he is, will be transferred onto that. So the Gemara says, well, that would imply the time of the Barach, the reason you're saying that it's not totally undone and the penalty is leveled against the purchaser in this Mishnah Meister Sheni is because the seller ran away. But it's Mashma Halei Barach Kantzinen if he had not run away, we would knas the moicher, and we would say, the entire transaction is undone, the moicher has to give back the money, he's a maizah sheni. The problem is, why don't we penalize the lekech in the starting place? Meaning the implication you're saying is, in general, we would penalize the seller and not the buyer. Why? Why is that so? Why not in the same case where he purchased behema tmeya, in this case in maizah sheni, we should penalize the buyer and not the seller? So the Gemara answer is, it's not the mouse that's the thief, it's the hole that's the thief. Meaning to say, when the mouse steals and he has somewhere to run, so the real uh, crime lies in the place that he has to run. So similarly over here, it's the fact that there's a hole or a seller who's providing a behemoth meya for the buyer to use Maeser Sheni to purchase. He's the one who's really committing the issue over here, and that's why naturally we would level the, the kenas against him to undo the sale other than the fact that he ran away. Says the Yamara, but Vi'ilai Akhbara, if not for the mouse, Khuramai Kovid, the the whole wouldn't be able to do anything. I eat to say, if not for the purchaser who wanted to purchase these behemotmeas, then the seller wouldn't have any Lufnaiv or any issue that he's able to commit. So then why is again, why is it leveled against the seller? It should be leveled against the buyer. And for the Gemara, Mistavrikalecha di Ika Isure Hasam Kansina. And it's logical, wherever the Isser currently resides, i.e., where the monies of Maya Sushani currently are, that's where we're going to put the penalty. So since the seller is currently holding on to those monies of Meiser Sheni, therefore what we're going to say is, that's where we'll level the penalty. So if he hadn't run away and he's still around, we'll say, you actually have to return the monies, undo the transaction altogether. It's only because he had run away, so we say the buyer has to rectify the situation, separate other monies, transfer the Kedusha of the Meiser Sheni that's being held by the seller onto that. But otherwise we would level against the seller because that's where the Isser currently resides. 
Moving on to the second section of the day now, we have a Mishnah that tells us a Makadish Ba'arla. If a person is Makadish, a woman with Arla. Arla is produce that's within the first three years of a tree's development. It's Asr Ba'ana. We're going to list nine items that are Asr and Ana, and the Kedushan won't be effective. Or Bikilaya Kerem. If you have a scenario where there was uh, prohibited mixtures inside of a vineyard, again, these are also Asr and Ana. Or Bishor Niskal, or if he has Mikadish, a woman with an ox that needs to be killed because it killed somebody. And we're going to learn what is, are the sources for each of these that they're Isuriyano and you can't benefit from them and they're not effective for Kedushin. Or with the Eglarufa. Eglarufa was where you find a dead person between two cities, you estimate which one it's near. And then they would have to bring a special calf that was decapitated. It's also Usr and Hana. It acts as a Kapara, but you can't benefit from it. So he's Mikadish, woman with that Eglarufa. But or the birds that are used. In the atonement process of the Mitzorah, again, also Asr and Ano, Viseir, Nazir, or if with the hair of a Nazir, Asr and Ano, or or if you have the firstborn donkey and it's not redeemed with a sheep like it's meant to be, it has to be decapitated, also Asr and Ano. Number eight, Basr Bechalaf, or when it comes to meat and milk mixtures, which are prohibited in Ano, Vichulin Shanishchatu Bazara, or if it's uh, unconsecrated animals that were slaughtered in the Azara. All of these things are considered prohibited to benefit from, and therefore you can't benefit in the sense that Kedushin is not buying the Kudashes, therefore you're not considered married using these items for Kedushin. However, says the Mishnah, if the person who had these items sold them, and he used the monies that he received back from the sale to create the Kedushin, the Kedushin would be effective. And Rashi explains, we don't say that the monies assume the same status as the original item that were sold off to receive these monies. And therefore those monies are yours to use for Kiddushin and the Kiddushin would be considered binding. Now let's go through a few of these items and show how we know they're Asr and Anna. So let's start off with the first one, Ba'arla. First one was Arla. Ba'arla mina Allah. And how do we know Arla is prohibited in Anna? The first three years of a tree's production. Tanya, as the Brisa teaches, Da'arelim lo'yeyachel, the Pasuk says regarding Arla. You cannot consume Arla. So by saying, lo'yeyachel, ainli ela yisrachil, I'd only know you're not allowed to eat it. Hanah minayin, how do I know that? You're also not allowed to benefit from it altogether. Shalo'yehanu that you're not allowed to benefit from it. Shalo'yitzvah you can't use these uh, Arlas to create dyes for coloring certain things, nor can use it as fuel for a candle. It says in the Pasuk, it shall be prohibited as our extra words, to teach us even Isur, even Isur Hano applies to our Moving on to the second one, prohibited seeds that were planted in a vineyard, say wheat that was planted in a vineyard, these become prohibited as Kilayim. How do we know also these are prohibited in Anno Because the Pasuk says regarding these, Kilaya Kerem Pen Tikdash, lest it become prohibited. And the way we explain Tikdash means Pentukad Esh, it's an acronym, lest it need to be burnt by fire, i.e., you can't benefit from it once it's become Kilaya Kerem, it only could be destroyed. Ravashi Yom Ravashi says a second explanation. The way you learn Pen Tikdash is Pen Omar Pen Yihia Kodesh, lest it become like Kodshim, like Kodesh, just as Hekdish is Asr and I know you can't benefit from it. Also, but the Gemara doesn't like this answer because if the source that it's Asr in Hana is from Hektish, so then just as Hektish, if you would sell it, the new item would grab the status of Kedusha, the monies would have the status of Kedusha, and the item would be 
uh, considered chulin now. So too regarding kilai kerem, you should say when you sell it off, the money's now become usher if really it is compared to hektish. So Elagamar says, and we know that's not true from our Mishnah, as we said on the end of the Mishnah, if you sell these items, the monies could be utilized for Kedushin. Kedushin's effective. So Elam Chavarta Kedchizkiya, rather let's learn the puzzle like Chizkiya said, it's clear, like Chizkiya said, Pentiktash is Pentukadesh. That's the source. Kilaya Karim is considered prohibited in Hanna. Now let's move on to the third item in the Mishnah, and this is going to be the third section of the day as well. This will take us till the end of the day, Bezvez Hashem. Shor Niskal Minayin. Says the Gemara, how do we know regarding Shor Niskal, the third item in our Mishnah, that it's prohibited in Hanna and the Kedushin is not binding? An ox that needs to be stoned because it killed somebody. Ditanya, as the Brisa teaches, the fact that the Pasuk says the ox needs, needs to be stoned, I know that it's an Avela. Once it's stoned, it's killed. It wasn't slaughtered properly. That's what's called an Allah, it's an Avela. We know from Psukim elsewhere that Nevela is Asur Nachila. It says, Nevela, says Rashi. So therefore, of course, you can't eat it after it's been stoned. So why does the Pasuk have to emphasize by Shor Niskal? You're not allowed to eat its flesh. Magilachai teaches you that if somebody slaughtered this Shor Niskal before it had been stoned, but after it had been paskin to be a Shor Niskal, Still, Aser Ba'achila, even though the Shechita was done properly, it already has become something that's Aser and Achila. That's what the Pasuk of Lo Ye'ochel as is teaching us. Okay, so that only teaches us that if you slaughter it after the Psak Din, that it's a Shor Niskal, before it's been stoned, it's Aser to eat. How do I know it's also Aser to benefit from? Actually, in general, in the Vela, you could benefit from. So how do we know this is going to be Aser to benefit from as well? Therefore, the Brisa says, it says in the Pasuk, the owner of the ox will be clean. So the way we're interpreting the Pasuk is, my mashman, what's the implication? It's like a person says that a person that says to his friend, somebody else is clean from his uh, property. He has no benefit from it. It's like a clean sweep, meaning somebody is totally unable to utilize any of his property in any benefit. That's the lesson of Naki. He's clean from benefiting from, he's not allowed to benefit from it. So the point is, by saying Balashor Naki says the Brisa, the emphasis is even in Hana, you're not allowed to benefit. And that's the Mikor and the Mishnah, Kedushin wouldn't be effective. Asks the Gemara and the Brisa, wait a second. How do you know when it says in the Pasuk, it means that where you slaughter it after Gemar Din, before the skila has taken place, the emphasis is this, this, the shechit is not effective and it's not kosher. You're not allowed to eat it. Maybe really, when you slaughter it after Gemar Din, actually, if you slaughter it properly before it's been stoned, it's actually acceptable to eat. It is mutter in consumption. And as Rashi throws in over here, um, and the Pasuk of Lo Ye'ochel, when it says Lo Ye'ochel as Pesaro, Really what it's only to teach us is, after Skila, you're not going to be allowed, as we'll see from the Bryce, the Gemara is going to try to say from Rabbi Avo, to benefit from it. And it would still be necessary, even though the Pasuk says Baal Sharnaki, Rashi says, because Baal Sharnaki, we could see, could be used for other drushas. So maybe really Lo Ye'ochel as is to teach us after stoning it, you're not allowed to eat it, and we'll see why that's necessary from the next words, or benefit from it, from Rabbi Avo. 
And then Balashor Naki is going to be for some other drusha, which we'll see actually the bottom of this Amud it could be used for. But then you wouldn't have a source necessarily that if it was slaughtered after Gemar Din, before Skila, that it's still prohibited in Achila and Hana. And this can be deduced from Whatever the Torah says, any of these three forms of not eating something that's prohibited, it means it's prohibited both in consumption, eating, as well as any benefit. Until the Torah says specifically, like it says by Nevela, where it emphasizes meaning to say, is that by Ibn Avela, it specifically says you can't eat it. It only means eat it because it says you could sell it to the ger and benefit from it in that way, the non-Jew, and benefit from it in that way. So says the Gemara, Kasha of the Gemara is that you see Lachora Lo Yeachel could be referring to Isr Hanna. So maybe really all the Torah is telling us saying Lo Yeachel is to say if it was stoned already, then you're not allowed to benefit from it. Rabbi Yavo says because Lo Yeachel or lo socha, lo sochlu, all could refer to both achila and iser hana. So if that's true, maybe it's only teaching us there's an iser hana after stoning it, even though nevela is generally mutter. It comes to teach us there's also an iser hana after, but maybe an achinami, if it was slaughtered before the stoning properly, it would be acceptable to eat. So therefore, we're back to the question, which is how do you know if you're Mikadash a woman with this uh, shor niskal before, with, with, meaning before, um, before it was stoned, maybe it's taka considered a benefit, you're allowed to benefit from it, and it would come out that it should be effective. So what's pshat in the b'risa? Ani mili, so the Gemara answers, no. We can only apply this svar of Rabbi Avon and Rabbi Lazar, that wherever it says lo yeachel, it refers to achila and hanah, it's where the Torah is also teaching us there's a prohibition of achila from the same verse. So there you could say included is also the isra of hanah. But hacha, over here in this context of Shor Niskal, achila misakal yisakal nafka. We already know after skila, the fact that it says it has to be stoned, so it's an avela, that already teaches us it's asr and achila. So lo yeachil wouldn't be adding that it's asr ba'achila. In such a scenario, you can't just include isr hana, it has to be including both. Because if it was only referring to Isr Hana, that's all Lo Yeochel was teaching us. As we already know, Isr Achila from Sakal Yisakal, it's an avail, you can't eat it. So, then the Torah should have either said Lo Yehana, it should have said, don't benefit from it. Why would it say Lo Yeochel? And then you have to say, what it means is Hana. Say, don't benefit from it. Inami, alternatively, it could have just said in the Pasuk, Lo Yeochel, don't eat. Why does it say as Lamali? The extra words, it's flesh. So it must be that it's not telling you after skila that it's asr in hana, and beforehand if you slaughtered it, it would be mutter. Rather, what it must be saying is, afal gav basar, the emphasis is, lo bisaro, even if you slaughtered it like kosher meat, meaning it was slaughtered before the skila. That's what the Pasuk is teaching you. Kein basar, like normal meat which is slaughtered and you're allowed to eat it. Nonetheless, since there was a psak of shranisko on this, asr, it would still be asr in achila and hana, because it's asr already, from the time of the Psakdin, not just after the stoning. So good, we've explained now the source from the Brisa and the Mishnah. Maskiflo Marzutra says Marzutra Kasha against this. This is a little bit difficult, but maybe all the Torah is telling you is where would it be prohibited if you slaughtered it before the skila? 
where you sharpened a rock and you slaughtered with that rock. Because that's like stoning. So it's as if you've stoned it as well because you used a rock that was sharp to shecht it, even though it was a proper shechita, maybe that would be prohibited in Hana. But maybe the Torah would not be included from Loya Achel that where you slaughtered it with a proper knife, a normal knife, maybe that would be acceptable. So the more answers, the Torah doesn't say you have to specifically slaughter with a knife. Slaughtering with a rock and slaughtering with a knife is one and the same. As Vaitanya, furthermore, the Brisa says very clearly. And you can slaughter with all implements, with a rock, a sharp piece of glass, or with a stalk of reeds. The point is, is that there's no specific distinction between them, and therefore the fact that the Pazak says, which teaches us if it was slaughtered, the way we're explaining it, properly, before the stoning, it's still Asr and Anna, it means in any way, not specifically when it was slaughtered with a rock, but anyway it was slaughtered, that's the source for Isr Hanna before uh, Skila. Asks the Gemara, but Vahashta de Nafkalan Israchilo of Isra not Harvayam Eloy Achel. Now, the way we're learning in conclusion that Loye Achel teaches us both the Isra of Achila and the Isra of Hana. So now we're back to a question. The original Brysa said the way we know it's Asr and Hana is from Balashornaki. So, hi Balashornaki Lamayasa. Now, what do you use Balashornaki to teach us? And for the Gemara, Lanas Oiroi, it's to teach us that there's even a prohibition to benefit from the hides. You'd think that the Pasuk says you're only allowed to consume its flesh. Implying that you are allowed to benefit from the hides. Kamash Malan, it says, there's no benefit he's allowed to benefit from it, including the hides. Asks the Gemara, we alluded to this earlier, according to the other Tanoim, who used the Pasuk of Balashornaki for a different drasha, A for the drasha, that even though in general the halacha is there's a distinction between a short tam and a short muad, if it damages, that a short tam will pay chatzi nezek, nonetheless, the halacha is there's no concept of chatzi kaifer. That if an animal kills and it's a tam, we don't say that it has to pay half of kaifer. Because in, in general, if it kills, you have to pay full kaifer. So maybe if it's a tam, you only pay half kaifer. So there's no such halacha. That's what Balashornaki teaches us. The owner of the ox is cleansed. He doesn't have to pay the chetzi uh, kaifer. Whereas a, a muad would pay kaifer shalim, we don't say that a tam would pay chatzi kaifer, like the distinction we find by chatzi nezek and nezek shalim. So that's one, one way that the other shitas learn balashornaki. He's cleansed. If it's a tam, he doesn't pay. And two, uledme vladas. Also, similarly, whereas if a man kills a pregnant woman accidentally, he has to pay for the value of the aborted fetus. So... Or, 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 or aborts the fetus, he has to pay for the value of the fetus. If the ox kills, you don't pay for that value. Balashornaki is cleansed, he doesn't have to pay for that. So he uses Balashornaki for something else. So Anas According to those shitas, where would they know that he also can't benefit from the hides? And for the Gemara, may es bisaroi. The word es. S teaches you an additional thing in addition to the flesh. Not only can you not benefit from the flesh, but you also can't benefit from the hides. S atafalibs are the secondary thing to the flesh, which means the hides are also not allowed to benefit from. That would be where that second sheet learns the Isser of Hanas Oiroi from as well. Idach, turning back to the first sheet, so now the first sheet that he learns from Balashor Naki that you're not allowed to benefit from the flesh. So now what does he learn from the words S? What does he use that for? Turning to Nunzayin and Madalif, S like Darish. He doesn't use the word, the word S for any drush. And we're going to show, because actually there was a debate about this, do you darsh in the words S in the Torah? The Tanya, like the Brisa says, 
He made it his life's mission, this Shimon Amsuni, or Nechemya Amsuni, to darshan every S in the Torah as a riboy, meaning wherever it says S, it means something secondary included in whatever the main subject matter of the Psukim is. But the moment he reached the Pasuk, so Pirish, he stopped darshaning the word S. Why did he stop darshaning? Because they said, how could it be possible that the Torah would be saying, you have to fear somebody else or someone else like you're fearing HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's impossible. So Amrulay Talmidav, so then his student said to him, Rebbe, kol esen shedarash what about all the S's that you darshan? You're just stopping your life's works? Amrulay, he said back to them, Kishem, Shekibaltis Charladrisha, just as I, I received reward for expounding all the S's. Now that I see fit that I'm going to stop darshaning, so too I will receive reward for stopping to darshan because I see that I can't go beyond this point. I can't imagine what could be including. So just to clarify our last point, the first shita who learned from Balashor Naki that it includes your prohibited even to benefit from the skins of this animal, he doesn't darshan the word S, so there's no necessity like this Shimon or Nechemyam Sunni who were peerish from darshaning the words S in the Torah. Continues the Gemara, but Ajabar Rabbi Akiva Vilimed, so Rabbi Akiva came along and explained which is that we have to have awe of Talmidei Chachamim. That's the inclusion like we have of Hashem. Like Chazal teach us, from Lakute Rashi here, that you have to have awe of your Rebbe or Talmidei Chachamim like that of Hashem. So he said that's what Es Hashem Lekechatira is. So he held Yekudarsh in the S's, and that would be like the other sheet that we quoted above, but this is actually a Machlokas Tanoim as we just explained. We're stopping here, but as is Hashem, at the top of Nan Zayin Amaral, as is Hashem will continue discussing these items that are Isuri Hanot tomorrow with Daf Nan Zayin, why the condition is not effective because it's prohibited to benefit from. In the meantime, everybody have a wonderful day.